Thank you, Devin. The New Year is always a a time where you're thinking about life. Life becomes new and fresh. There's a restart for your heart and all kinds of opportunities to to be involved in what God wants to do in your life. Um, But the reality is everything happens every season of the year. And I got a call really early this morning that uh, some of you are aware of who she is. Um, But Arlene Harris passed away early this morning. And so we want to be praying for our daughter Sherry and her granddaughter as um, they go go through the process of of grieving and uh, preparing for a service for her, but Arlene um, has been involved in the church for the last 10 years or so, and the last number of um, months and particular year, uh, sh- her health has been so um, difficult for her to be involved in, in worship and other things, but uh, just be praying for uh, that family. But before uh, we look in God's Word, let's look to the Lord in prayer one more time as uh, we seek uh, what God wants for us uh, this day. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for uh, just an opportunity to I'll begin um, in a fresh way or look at life in a fresh way as uh, we're kind of reminded to do that every new year. And we really pray as we uh, kind of begin that this morning that you might just guide us step by step. Father, we do pray that we might uh, be genuine and real in uh, living out our faith. And uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity of life groups uh, encouraging that and uh, providing a way for that to happen. And Father, we just pray for each one here that they might uh, just take that step uh, the next two or three weeks if they're not in a small group to join one. And Father, we just really thank you that you are the giver of life, and as we uh, look for this book that is full of life, that we might learn principles to live out what you have placed in our lives, and we know you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. As uh, my family and I were gone for about a week right after Christmas, uh, we were up in the Lake Tahoe area, and and I was assuming possible that we might have some of the Christmas decorations still up. And I came across an article that was kind of interesting to me about this whole Christmas season and the whole idea of uh, giving and receiving of gifts and uh, trying to find out that perfect gift for, uh, for people in your life. And uh, an, a magazine called Wired Magazine, in this article I read, uh, gave a, a list of the best five toys ever in the history in terms of um, giving of gifts uh, in terms of their understanding. And Wired is an interesting, um, particularly if you find out what I'm going to share with you, what they discovered, the, first, the top five gifts to give as toys to little ones in your, in your family. Um, because Wired is one of those most innovative, leading-edge publications you'll ever read about all things technological, which means I never read that, okay? But anyway, it's, uh, it's one of those leading-edge technological books or magazines. And, and this is what they said were the, the top five gifts you could give as toys to kids. Number one on the list was stick. Number two, a box. Number three, a string. Number four, a cardboard box. And number five, this kind of surprised me a little bit, was dirt. And, and, and so as you think about the things you can prepare for next year, I can really help your budget. Just, just find a stick, uh, some dirt, a string, a cardboard box, a cardboard tube, and you'll just be right there on the top five gifts you can ever give as toys to kids. Now, you might be thinking, you know, man, that's a little bit over the top. It's a little surprising from particularly a technological group because you would think they'd be talking about all kinds of gadgets you could give little kids to, to push and play and all kinds of things. And there are all kinds of things out there that are fun for kids to, to play with. But really, the emphasis there, I think if we kind of think behind what they were saying, is often the simplest things in life are the things that are so much more meaningful and, and bring you happiness. And being from a, a week of uh, having our family together, and it was one of those times where we had an opportunity to rent a cabin, and all of our kids came, and um, it, it, and their spouses and their 
And, and have I told you I've got a granddaughter yet? Have I told you that? Okay. So, so we were all there. And as I look back at the week we had together, and as you think about it, what made that week special? And what made it special was the simplest of things. You know, we ate together. We, we laughed together. We, we played games together. We made fun of each other. We went out on hikes. We played in the, the dirt, one of the top five. Okay, we, we looked at God's creation. We just, we just did life together. And, and when we look back on that week, it will be remembering the times that we did things simply together. One of the things, interesting enough, we actually went to church together. How simple is that? And as I was thinking about that, if that's true in the family, the, the nuclear family, isn't that even more true in terms of the spiritual family? What makes a church family um, the best kind of family you'd want to be involved with? Well, there are a lot of gadgets, particularly in our year and in our culture and our age, but really what makes the church family special are the simplest of things. And, and so for the next number of weeks, and uh, Lord willing, we're, as we uh, go into the new year, uh, I've been kind of, my arm's been twisted a few times, that, that we're going to do a series on uh, the book of Revelation and, and study that book and, and try to see not only what God has planned ahead, but also what does that mean to us right now and how should we live life differently if we have a perspective on God's big plan as revealed to us. But, uh, but I want to begin, I don't even know how many weeks we're going to do it, but uh, I want us to, to begin this year on, on focusing, or putting it this way, being fully devoted to the fundamentals. There are a lot of different ways you could say that. You could say, I, I want us to just think through making some deep commitments to simple truths. Because it's the simplest things of life that are most meaningful. You can put it this way, we want to go back to the basics. We want to be committed to the core. We want to be excited about essentials. We want to, we want to plan to live on purpose. We want to make a deep commitment to simple truths. And so as I was thinking about planning to be on purpose, I, I thought, well, maybe we ought to just begin this mini-series on fully devoted to fundamentals of, of what is our purpose. Now, the purpose, you know, we defined that a number of years ago and put it in particularly a statement, and it could be worded in a variety of different ways. But what I want us to do is we begin this New Year's, simply say, are we deeply committed to being on purpose? Well, for that to happen, we have to know what is our purpose. And we've stated this in terms of our church. Our purpose as a church, and you say our purpose as individual believers, is to honor God. To honor God by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Christ. So, so what I want to do is I want to break down that statement into, into three parts and, and just, just kind of help all of us to think through simply. What would, what would that look like if, if I, as well as we, were deeply committed to this? Because if we're not deeply committed to the essentials, it doesn't really matter what else happens because the, the foundation isn't there. But what does it mean to be deeply committed to being on purpose? Well, let's try to look at that this morning. And hopefully what happens after this message is throughout the week, you're kind of just letting this simmer. And you're just saying, how does, that, how does that work in my life? Well, if you want to look at the negative for a moment, how does that not work in my life? Where am I off course here? Well, let's begin with the beginning. Let's be deeply committed to, to honoring God. 
Of course, that gives and begs the question, what does it mean to honor God? And I wrote this a couple of weeks ago, and, and I want to kind of tweak it a little bit more. But since some of you like to fill in the blanks, let me give you fill in the blanks. And there's up on the screen probably as well. But let me put it this way. To honor God is to give God the real glory and bring him praise. Showing people his goodness, or you could say in a broader sense, showing people his attributes by attitude and actions. But as that, as that is kind of a wordy definition, let me, let me break it down a little bit more simply. We, in our series on knowing God, and knowing God is the greatest pursuit of life, and we talked about that. And so that's deeply what's all about is knowing him. And to know him is to come to that place where you want to honor him or to glorify him. But if, well, what does that mean? Well, let me break down the two words that are used most often in the New Testament for to glorify or to honor. And the reason I use both of them, because interesting enough, both Greek words are used interchangeably. Sometimes the word for glory is translated honor, and sometimes the word for honor, which is a different word, is translated glory or glorify. What does it mean that we're, we're to glorify God? In the Westminster Catechism, it's sort of Westminster Catechism, it's the chief end of man or the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, I can understand enjoyment. I, I just got back from a week of <laughs> a lot of fun and, and enjoyment with my family. But what does it mean to glorify God? Well, the word glorify is, is an interesting word. It's a word that really means... Uh, to suppose or to seem or to form an opinion or to give an estimate. And you're thinking, that's a strange word. I never thought glorify meant that. But if you think through it a little bit more, it, it does make sense. When we, when we glorify God, we form an opinion of who he is. We, we, we take him as, as he is and, and estimate that. And we, how important is God? And it has the idea of, of taking that which is and revealing it in a bigger way or magnifying it or, or extolling it or bringing it praise. And so as we think about being deeply committed to a simple truth like glorifying God or honoring God, it, it means as, as we live out life, what, what is your opinion of God? Just how big is your God or on the other side, how small is your God? How, how great and awesome is your God? Or how insignificant is your God? How, let's put it on a relational level, how personal your God? Or how, how distant is your God? What is your, what is your opinion of God? How do, you, how do you estimate Him? What, what's your sense of who God is? And see, what God wants us is to go through life with an understanding of who He is and just reveling in that how, how about the word honor the word glorify comes over from doxo doxology from some some of you from traditional backgrounds remember every worship service used to sing the doxology which was a statement of praise or, or opinion of who god is and and singing it or stating it the word the word for honor is a slightly different it's the word time in the greek and it really has the idea of to placing value which is close to that whole idea of forming an opinion or making an estimate of, of something. And, and so what God wants us to do is place value on him. And, of course, what, what kind of value does God want us to see of him? It's the, is it the lowest value or the what? The highest value. 
Take what we call this experience together at this moment. We call it a worship service, right? And worship is very closely related to to honoring or to glorifying or or having an opinion of or estimate of or, or valuing. But we worship something when we understand, at least from the English derivative of that word, is we, we put worth to something. Isn't that true? When you worship something, <laughs> you know, you place a value on it, you have a high opinion of it. You, you, you give it a, a statement of worth. As, uh, as Mark shared earlier, and as I mentioned, it, you know, we just got back from a week in, in Lake Tahoe. And, and again, some, some of the best things we did were the simplest of things. And then Alice decided to be a little creative, and what she decided to do was to, to bring some easels and some simple paints and had all eight of us paint pictures of what we had seen and experienced throughout the week. And uh, you know, we had all the paints and had all the time. We had, and so we, we were painting all these things, and after eight pictures were done, uh, you know, we all kind of stood back and looked at them. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to art museums. I'm not really a museum type of person, but I've been to a number of museums. And, and you see the great works of art. And when there's a great work of art, the picture itself is not on trial. Have you noticed that? It's already been determined this is a great work on art. It, it, it's not the, the critic that's, it's not the picture that's on trial. It's the critic who's on trial. If you can't see the beauty in the pictures, there's not something wrong with the pictures. There's something wrong with what? With you. Now, when we did these eight pictures, it was, it was pretty obvious uh, who the two or three best pictures were. I mean, it was just obvious. I mean, it had value. Everyone had the same estimate or opinion of them. There was a sense of worth to it. And then there was my picture. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't worthy of garage art. I mean, for some reason, seven of the pictures turned out well, and then I don't, I don't even know what mine was after I finished, okay? And, and, you, and there was, there, you, you, if you were honest, there was very little value to that. You know. I tried many times to throw it away out of total embarrassment, all right? And the point I'm simply making is, 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 is we see God. It's just a recognition of who he is. It, we don't place value on it. He has value. Just like a great picture has value. And we see God in all who he is. Uh, the, the scripture says the reason we ought to have such a value of God or sense his worth or have this highest opinion or estimate of who he is is because that intrinsically, that's really at the heart of his being. In, in other words, it's simply that God deserves our worship. God deserves whatever we do to glorify him. God deserves our honoring him. And then let me just look at a few verses that talk about that. Look at the one I want to encourage you to memorize this month. And and I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, for from him and through him and to him are a few things. Is that what it says? It says, are all things. To him be the what? The glory. To him be the highest sense of value that you have. To him be the highest estimate of all that is in this universe. Might he be the, the grandest thing that you can think about and live for. Why? Because for from him and through him and to him are what kind of things? All things. <laughs> Everything we got. Where did it come from? It came from him. And so he deserving of all the glory. All the sense of value that we have. And then even to him be the glory how, for how long? Forever. This is something we have the privilege of, of experiencing, not only for this moment, but forever to be in the presence of someone 
who has been the, the giver of everything. And then it finishes with amen, which simply means this is true, this is true. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Oh, man. And then it goes on throughout Scripture, and the theme of, the God, of God's glory is everywhere. But just throwing a few other verses, you know, on the page. In everything that we do, how much did, when should the glory, the honor, or the value, the worth of God be manifested? First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one says, "Whether then you eat or drink or what's the next word there, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God." Now, what that means simply is that how we live ought to be lived in such a way that people can see who God is. Every time a believer tells the truth, and let's get very simple here. Whenever a believer tells the truth, it reminds people that there's someone who is always telling the truth. And who is that? God. Whenever we are, are good to someone on any level, it is to remind people that there's someone who's even more good. And who is that? God. Whenever we catch ourselves being holy or just, it reminds people, or righteous, just doing the right thing. It reminds people that there is someone who is fully holy and fully right and fully just. And so how we respond to people in attitude or actions is in such a way that to demonstrate that we have a God who is this way. Now, uh, you know, on this vacation, I don't want you to say that when we, we're, we're all together that everything always works like heaven up together, right? For instance, uh, I caught, and some of you might even be picking this up. I, I caught a cold when we first got up there. And so when I got a, I caught a cold up there, my, there was all some role reversal, you know, uh, because if I told you I got a granddaughter? Okay, well, anyway, so, so at, at, for whatever reason, um, uh, Hannah loves to come to me, and she has this cute way to just kind of reach her hands up, like pick me up. Okay, well, when I had this cold, all of a sudden, my son thought that he was the dad and I was the son. You know, there was a role reversal. He kept telling me what I could not do with my granddaughter. Okay. <laughs> now, when, when that happens, I, I struggle not only with my actions, but also my attitude. Well, you don't have anything. What do you tell me what to do? I'm the dad here. All right. And, and then the actions part is, when you're not looking, I'm going to pick her up. Okay, so <laughs> now... To, when, when I have the wrong attitude and the wrong actions, okay, that doesn't reflect too well on me being the pastor of a church, right, okay? It, it reflects on my relationship with God, right? If I have the wrong attitude or the wrong actions. Now, I have to admit, my attitude was okay. My actions kind of weren't always the right way. When he wasn't looking, I did pick her up a few times. But anyway, you know, because, you know, obviously, and why did he tell me that? Because, you know, it was not good for Hannah to be around someone with a cold. And all I'm saying, whatever you do, I mean, he said, either whether, how you eat or drink. And we've all been in those situations where you've been at someone's home and someone puts something on the plate you don't like. What kind of attitude do you have? Do you try to eat it? Do you try to be gracious? Do you go beyond your own comfort zone? Because there's nothing more simple than whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all the glory of God. And the context there had even a greater issue in terms of offending a, a, another believer for things offered to idols but the principle is the same. Whatever you do, you can either reflect well on God or not well on God. 
And that's everywhere. You know, when you're at work, how you work or how you don't work reflects on your company. I was just, I was just reading, you know, McDonald's right now has a, has a huge crisis going on because have you seen the hamburger wars going on now? I mean, there, there are places that have high-end hamburgers. I mean, hamburger used to be a couple bucks. You know, now it's 15, 20 bucks. You know, and all of a sudden that's starting to squeeze out some of the market share of McDonald's. And they're talking about all the different things that are happening here. And one of the things that are happening is that some of these higher-end hamburger um, establishments are spending a lot of money on their staff so that when people come in, they're not just having a hamburger, they're having an experience. Because they know every time someone walks into that restaurant, what their employees do reflects on eating a hamburger. You see some of the connections here? Everything that we do has a reflection if we identify with God, if we identify with Jesus Christ on on who? On Jesus. And and so people can see what people need to see is God in us. That's why he needs to get the glory. He needs to get the honor. He needs to have extreme value. And who God is in our attitudes and actions are the way that we glorify him. And the reason we can do that is because who we are. It's, it's really not trying harder to do this. It's just being who you are and living it out. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. This is pretty heady stuff. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And as we think about giving glory to God, it's not only living it, it's speaking it. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You, were not, you had not received mercy, but now you had, have received mercy. And let's be, let's be totally honest. Even as we had Becky up here, I asked her the question, well, how long have you been a Christian? Because there was a time when Becky wasn't a Christian. And the reality is that's true for everyone here. And for some of you, you still might be on the outside looking in. There was a time we had not received God's mercy. There was a time in which we were not placed in God's eternal family. But once we cross that line, then, then we are new people on the inside. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. And again, living out your life. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Why? So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, become, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them Glorify God in the day of visitation. Have you noticed people like to criticize people who aren't like them? Who maybe feel a little bit intimidated by being in their presence. And he says, these people were criticizing you, but after they began to consistently look at how you live, your good deeds, they turned around and said, you know, it was their testimony, how they, they live, that brought me to faith. And I give glory to God for what you did in their life. But let me give you a simple definition of, of actively honoring God. Remember in school, you know, when you got back from vacation, there was the show and tell time. Okay, show and tell what you, know, what you did. And I was going to bring you a show and tell, but then I left it at home. Okay, is that you would, you would show something that you experienced and then you would talk about it. And, and see, that's what it is as a Christian life. We show people by how we live and then we talk about it. So you glorify by, by, choo- by choosing or to choose to show and tell who God is with your attitudes and actions. 
glorifying God is to, cho- is to choose to show by how you live and tell by what you speak about, what's important to you, about who God is, all that he is, in attitude and actions. So in the attributes of God that God has, when we live like that, people see Jesus in us. And, of course, that's like the fruit of the Spirit. When when we experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness with people, they see that's who God is. You know, Mark mentioned we went to, it was actually the First Baptist Church of Lake Tahoe. We just looked up on the Internet and went there. And we got there not that that early, maybe 10 minutes before the service started. And we were like the second car in in the parking lot. And we're thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. So we walked through and there was a man who greeted us. And, oh, this is, who are all of you? You guys all together? You know, as as eight of us came in there and he found a little bit about us. And we found out later he was actually the pastor who, who wasn't preaching that day. Uh, he wasn't because of all the things that happened. And, and in fact, they have a kind of tradition that his uh, kind of associate worship leader preaches the final sermon in, in the, you know, of, the, of, the, of the year. And uh, as he was giving announcements, he came up and he said, oh, hey, there's a family from Orange County and, and there's, there's three generations of them. Who's the father and the grandfather? How did this all happen? How can you explain? You know, what he, he was amazed that, that a family would choose to worship on a Sunday together, and they were all there. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Right? I mean, the, I, you know, I, I didn't tell him I was a pastor. He, asked, he actually asked the how did that all happen? How do you all come here together? You know, I, well, I don't know why I give him a southern accent. He didn't have a southern accent. But, <laughs> but you know, how, how, did this, how did this happen? You know, and I didn't know what to say, you know. I, you know, I just said God's grace. But it was just, Simple, you know, a decommitment of simple truths. You know, why do we worship on a Sunday when we're on vacation? I mean, there are times we can't get to church and stuff like that, but, but why do we make, try to make that a practice? Because God's worthy of worship and to give Him glory and to honor and say, you're important to me. I, I want to be in, with God's family. And even if I don't know, I want to I be in that place. You know, it's kind of a unique place because in the... This doesn't, you know, we don't do this because people don't like to be embarrassed and make, make a spot of them. And like Becky, Becky likes to be up front. But, but usually what, you know, you don't like to say, everybody stand up who's new. And everybody, oh, I don't want to do that. But he said, okay, everybody who's new. He didn't have a stand, but raise your hand. And when he did that, probably three-fourths of, the, of that church, who then was fairly full at that point, were new. And he said, our mission is even more for the people who come in just week by week in a touristy town. To present the gospel to them. And, and so wherever we are, whatever we're doing, if the focus simply is on Jesus, trying to show and to tell who God is in attitude and action, that raises people of opinion who Jesus is, who God is. And they begin to see God in us. So as we begin this year, we want to make a deep commitment to be people who want to honor, give glory give credit to God so that people can see God in us. Now, in our purpose statement, I'm going to go through these last two points really quickly. Kind of give some action statements to some of the priorities of honoring God. To honor God by helping people. And then a few years ago, we added that word more. And so we are intentionally giving God praise, giving God opinion in the, in the lives of others 
a value raised when they, they see us as helpers, not as consumers, but as contributors, not, not looking to be served, but to serve. And that sounds a whole lot like who? Like Jesus. The, the scripture is full of that. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and really, how do you help more people? How do you help people? By, by simply doing good deeds and love. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. When people see us helping others by doing good to them for them, uh, God gets glory. You, you've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you really want to amp up showing how God has changed your life, find the people you do not like and help them. Find a way that you can, you can do good to them because that's not natural. It's easy to love those who love you in return. Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When somebody does something to you, what's your, what's your response back? How can, how, can I, how can I hurt them, but how can I help them? And let's be active with that. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And we ought to take any example of anyone being a helper and say, I, I want to be that kind of person. Now, the simplest things in life are the things that bring us most joy, but it is fun to kind of do some kind of crazy things as well. Uh, one day we decided we would go snowboarding, and uh, in Lake Tahoe, it, it, there was kind of, it's, it's, you know, we've had a kind of a crazy year weather-wise. I heard kind of snow kind of came down here pretty, pretty low. Well, there was not a whole lot of snow in Lake Tahoe, but it snowed on the day before uh, New Year's Eve, okay, so it was like the 30th, okay, so it just, we had like a, just, it was a beautiful time, this snow was coming down, it was just great, and, and, but wind started coming up, and so we knew that the best snowboarding, if we decided to go snowboarding one day, would, was, was going to be on the New Year's Eve day, and so we, we scouted out all the different uh, places to go, and then we decided we'd go to Kirkwood, Heavenly's, if you've ever been to Lake Tahoe, it's kind of the big resort, but Kirkwood's a little bit cheaper, but a lot of the locals, that's where they go, because they think that's the best skiing, so we decided to go there. But as we went there, we, we were getting a little bit worried because uh, it had gotten kind of cold, okay? In fact, as we were driving up there, it, you know, started at uh, 15 degrees above, and then it was 5 degrees above, and then it was 0 degrees, and then it was 5 degrees below, and then as we were going up in the car, it says 12 degrees below. And, and, and that's okay because it was windy as well, so we don't know what the windshield factor was. So we get up there, you know, and... and uh, we, we, we wanted to get on the slopes as soon as anybody else, else so they had, we got the report started, and, and you know, we, had, we went online because I'm a cheapskate, and we want to get as cheap as we can, so we got the, all the tickets as cheap as we could, and, and so we had to go to, up to the, the, the place, and uh, all, the rest of the family had already gotten their tickets, and I was doing something else, and I, I said, you got to get your tickets there, so I went in there, and you had to show your ID, so I took my ID out, and I placed it on the, the wood platform there, and all of a sudden, I, I, I went down to pick something else up. And by the time I got up, my, my license was gone. And, 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 and again, it's, it had just snowed. And do you know what the dominant color on most um, uh, <laughs> licenses are? Well, it's, you know, it's white. And I'm looking, I'm looking everywhere, you know, for this. Because I can't get my ticket without my ID. And that's the only one that has my picture on it. And I can't, couldn't find it. And, and uh, you know, first one of the workers there started helping me. And then the person was even in the... And the, the ticket office came out to look for me. And we could not find it for the life of me. And then there was another employee, the employee of, the, of, the resort, or the, of Kirkwood. He stopped shoveling snow and came over. And he found 
my, my, he finally found my license 12 feet down and 6 feet to the right. I actually had already given up. I mean, I had looked everywhere, okay, and so did the other two. And I'm thinking, you know, he didn't have to do that. That wasn't his job. It, it wasn't, it's not going to get on his, his report. You know, I didn't, I didn't know who to tell, you know, say, th- I said thank you to him about 10 times. But he simply did it to help someone who couldn't find something. Now, I, I wonder how often we are that kind of people. That we go out of our way to do what needs to be done to help someone in need. And it could be simply to the point of helping someone find something they cannot find. Or it could be in a much bigger place where we give of ourselves to show the love of God to someone who desperately needs it. What does God want us to be deeply committed to? The simple truths in life. To live a life that honors God. That that allows people to, their opinion of who He is is raised. The Bible says in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The reason God has has flooded the, the skies with light to show how big and mighty and beautiful He is. And he's placed his spirit in our lives to show people who he is by how we live. And we should show and tell who he is by attitude and action. And then as we think, of who, are, who are the, should be the greatest recipients of our giving people a picture of God? It's people. By helping people. By helping more people than we naturally would look out for. And then ultimately... It is so that everyone that we come in contact with, that, that we have the desire that they become fully devoted followers of Christ. I just close with this passage. And, and really what it means is we want to invite people into relationship with Jesus as Savior and Lord. You know, Jesus presented the gospel in so many different ways. Sometimes he just hammered people. And then sometimes he was so gentle and gracious with them. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, we have this this gracious invitation to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let, let Let me just say three things about this passage. When, when Jesus invited people to become his followers, it began with them receiving an invitation. You know, no one ever comes to Jesus unless someone invites them to come to Jesus. Have you noticed that? No one goes anywhere unless someone senses that they're invited to be there. To be a fully devoted follower of, of Jesus is to receive the invitation. And then secondly, it's to experience his rest. The, the, only person, the only person who will actually really believe in the invitation that they're called to receive is they believe that, that God will bring value to their life. And in Israel, they, they were filled with despair in so many different ways. And Jesus said, look at all of you who are so bothered about life. Come to me and I will give you rest. But, but I want you to understand that also Jesus said, even though he's, he, in, in, the, in the words of Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. He was calling them to follow him. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And in those days, you could, you could know who a teacher was or a rabbi was because there were people, what, following him. 
And what it means to really know Christ and be a, his follower is you come into relationship with him. You receive his invitation, you experience his rest, and, and you enter into relationship. That means I, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. That's what it meant to be a follower of a rabbi. Whatever the rabbi said, you did. Whatever the rabbi taught, you believed. Whatever the rabbi said was important became what was important to you. That's what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Be a recipient of his invitation. Experience his rest. But enter into relationship as a one who follows what he says. Let's pray together. Father, we want, to, we want to be ready for the new year by making deep commitments to simple truths. Father, we, we want to understand the, the greatest challenge of life and the greatest opportunity of life, which is to bring honor and glory, to raise people's opinion and estimate of who, who you really are by living in such a way that people can see you in us, in everything, in the little things as well as the big things. And Father, you want us to be people who who really realize that the recipients of our life ought to be people that we care so much about that we'll do whatever it takes to help them. And then ultimately, we desire to everyone to be come into a, a, a vital relationship with the living Christ. Father, is anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, might they just receive what you're offering? Might they experience your rest? Might they repent of their sins and enter into relationship with the living Christ. And Father, as we have opportunity to continue to worship and to experience you through communion, Father, we invite people to, to come to the table and take of the cup and the bread and remember that this one that came at Christmas is the one who went to the cross and that what he did on the cross, he did for us so that our sins could be forgiven and that we experience new life. Make this time meaningful in our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.